0: This morning to our same text from last week, Luke chapter 2, reading verses 1 through 11. Are y'all ready for Christmas? It's ready. It's coming whether you're ready or not. You best be ready. And to all the procrastinators, don't wait. I mean, you've already waited, but don't cuss it to people at Walmart. You, you waited. It's, it's You are part of the people. When you walk into Target Monday or Tuesday or Walmart, you go, look at all these people. You part of the people. Get your stuff done early. A little planning. Y'all stand with us as we read the Word of God this morning. And for those of y'all that hadn't been sweet all year, I'm 51. I've been working this system for a long time. That week before Christmas, if you really turn it on and you're just sweet, you know, good morning, Mother. Good morning, Father. And. You can fool Santa Claus. You just got to work it, man. You got to be sweet this last week. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David. And don't forget, this is just a very small thing, but I love the fact that Jesus, who is the bread of life, was born in the city of Bethlehem, which which means house of bread. So the living bread was born in the house of bread. And he was there to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, And laid him in a manger. And there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field. Keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Which shall be to some people. White people. Rich people. All people, all people. For unto you, unto who? You, is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. It is one thing to historically cancel out, as the media does, the birth of Jesus Christ. They'll say it never happened or minimalize it and say that it doesn't mean anything because he was nothing more than a teacher or a great man. And in that state of rebellion, that's a imbecilic thing. But the greater tragedy, the greater tragedy than those who discount what he did or minimize it is the Christian who knows that he came and knows why he came And live under that privilege. They do not realize, accept, and live out the why that he came. I'm not trying to trivialize this, but I want to give you a uh, visual. So that as you go into the Christmas season, you can unwrap these things. Imagine if the reasons... God's reasons of why Jesus came were put in boxes. Imagine, I came so that you could. I came that you might have. I came that life would look like. If those packages sit unwrapped in your life, that's on you. If you steered your child over to a box and said, this is for you. And they just kept walking off. They're like, come here, come here, come here. And then you start to unwrap it for them. I believe the Lord's been trying to unwrap boxes in our life for a long time. And we've just not sat down, looked him in the eye and said, for me? For unto you was born in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. Before you're seated, I wanna pray over you. And in just a few moments, speak for just a few minutes this morning on the subject of the three whys of Christmas. It's not an exhaustive list, but it's the ones we're gonna deal with today. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you with great thanks and humility and gratitude for all you've been and done for us. We ask, oh Lord, this last Sunday before we celebrate your coming, that we would not just go through the motions, but that we could hear from you We long to hear from your word, O Lord. We long to hear the rhema word of God, the quick and powerful word that's sharper than a two-edged sword that pierces to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and discerns the thoughts and intents of our heart. Lord, we've been praying for months and we've been preaching for months about our responsibility to give. May we also, O Lord, be receivers. We can't give what we don't have. And may we receive from your word correction, instruction, and intentions, your intentions for our life. And we thank you in advance for the power of the received word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. Jesus was born in the city of Bethlehem. Emmanuel, God with us. And it's one thing to believe in the virgin birth. It's another thing to believe that Jesus was born as the promised Messiah. But if you don't unwrap the whys for you, then you have nothing more than an historical mental ascent, a factual ascent, and not a revelational ascent, a revelational experience of these dynamics. It's one thing to say, I accept and believe in gravity. It's another thing to fall off a roof. That second person says, yeah, you believe in gravity, but I have experienced gravity. Now, you young people don't understand the power of gravity, but as you get older, you will. If we ever fall, we who have crossed over into our middle years, if you ever fall for any reason, you have thoughts like, while I'm down here, do I need to look for anything? (laughs) While, (laughs) While I'm down here, just squeeze over to the bed and clean out from under it or something. The whys. So not just he came to be savior, he came to die, which we're going to touch on that, and those are critical. But for you, I want us to personalize this story of why did Jesus come not just globally, but for me. He came because of our condition. You and I were lost. The Bible says in Luke 19:10 that the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. The lost coin, the Bible speaks of, that didn't know it was lost the lost sheep that knew it was lost but didn't know how to get back home and the lost son that knew he was lost but was too proud to come back jesus came to the earth to search out those that were separated from god were confused and alienated and were lost the search was on he came because you were outsiders This world, sadly, is still divided racially. It's divided economically, uh, internationally, socioeconomically. It's divided in Macon by North side and South side. And, you know, and and there there are so many divisions and people that don't believe their divisions just haven't been on the side where you are in the minority side because you can walk into a town and know their divisions. I'm from this area. And when I travel up to Maine, it is, I'm quickly notified by everyone else that I'm an outsider. Anybody traveled up north and have a little southern slur like I do? How long does it take you to realize you're on the outside? You just go and get gas and give the guy your credit card and he goes, say something again. (laughs) What? Just talk. Just talk. Even though it's not meant to be cruel, it communicates to you that Or or, or the northerners visit South Georgia. and they go Billy Bob meets me. You You ain't from around here, are you? The Bible says that you were aliens strangers from the Commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the Covenants of Covenant of promise having no hope and without God in this present world he came because I wasn't of his world I would not be accepted in a pure world with my impurity It doesn't take us long to realize when you come into your own that we're all together not like God. We're different from him We're alienated aliens alienated from God and the people of God and our sins were the evidence that we did not belong He came because we were living in darkness John 12, 46, Jesus said, I am come as light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. He came because I couldn't see. Looking for God in dead places, looking for God in dark places. Groping along in life finding pleasure only to find out that the price tag of that pleasure would be years of my life and bondages and regret and remorse and No more than you would mock a blind man falling over a curb. God doesn't mock us in our blindness The Bible said, the God of this world hath blinded the eyes of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them and open their eyes. He came to open my eyes so I could see my condition and I could see his provision for my condition. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And I've come, I've come, why did Jesus come? I've come to open your eyes so that you would not walk in darkness. He came because we were helpless. Dead in our trespasses and sins. Dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Dead people can't help themselves. If he didn't come as the resurrection, then dead people have no hope. He came because of the tab that you had run up with your choices and my choices. The wages of sin is death. Is anybody else shocked at the lack of attention given now to how grocery prices are rising and rising and no one's talking about it. Kelly came home the other night and my wife is a good steward, man. My wife can stretch a dollar. She'll say, and I did research and I found this and I used three coupons and we bought the car for $11. I'm like, that is amazing. That's really good. But she came home the other night and I said, can I help you? And I'm bringing in the groceries and she had an armful of groceries. She goes, I spent a lot of money. And so I'm like, do I need to sit down? You know, she, no, we just, we had ran out of a lot of things. And the tab had accumulated based upon our needs in that moment. Christ came because the tab for your sins had far exceeded your capacity to pay and you were slated for judgment. The wages, the, the check for sin is death, physical death, spiritual death, and eternal separation from the Lord. Do you know that the, the gift of aging, someone say, why would you say it's a gift? God gives you the gift of aging so that you will understand that his verdict against you was true. I used to be blackheaded, and then I got to be pepper and salt. Now it's salt and pepper. And the salt is winning. It's, it's taking over like kudzu. The salt is taking over everywhere. And what that is is proof that my body is dying because of the sin that's present. And God came because he knew that if he didn't intervene, not only would the physical body die, the spiritual body would die, or was already dead in trespasses and sin. And then there was nothing left but the judgment. And I, I'd run up such a tab that I was helpless to pay. It's kind of like if you're diagnosed with AIDS. So let's look at the physical realm. Excuse me, physical realm and the spiritual realm. Physical AIDS, spiritual AIDS. Well, if you have physical AIDS and someone says, well, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna build houses for Habitat for Humanity, you still have AIDS. I'm gonna be a better father, I'm gonna be a better mother Well, you still have AIDS. I'm going to be the best employee where I work. Well, you still have AIDS. And unless you deal with the issue, all the good deeds added to it do not change the reality. And same it is spiritually. If we're dead in trespasses and sin, sins, it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't change that. If I go to church, you can go to church till you black out. It doesn't matter where you go. You know, going to church doesn't, make you a Christian any more than going to Burger King makes you a whopper. You can't, going in a building doesn't do anything. But if I unwrap why he came and he touches my eyes and he quickens my spirit and he brings me to life, then I've received from him the intention of the historical fact. Jesus came to me because I couldn't come to him. That's it. It's so simple a child can grasp. Why did he come to earth? Because I couldn't get to heaven. And he came like me through the womb of a woman. Her womb contracted and she pushed that child out. He experienced lack right out of the gate. Poverty. He experienced rejection and alienation. He experienced opposition Cruelty, unkindness, false accusation. He lived the whole life that we did, the whole experience, so that he could be a faithful high priest. He came to identify with me. He came to align himself with me, to impart to me and exchange life to me. He came for me. See, the Christmas message is not that Jesus came to a manger. He came to a manger for me, for me. And we can say that so much that it stops meaning anything to us. I wish your pastor had a greater education and vocabulary to say things in a more powerful way. All I know how to do it is simply, for unto me was born, unto you. Unto you. These were shepherds. They were nobodies. And the angel appears out of nowhere declaring the mind of God. He said, God has good will to you and great joy for you. Unto you. Who? You, Clarence. You. God has come for you. To save you. To heal you. To fix you. To give you a hope. To give you a future to give you his spirit, to write your name in the Lamb's book of life unto you is born in the city of David, a savior. It's not just that Jesus came. Jesus came for me and I'm not using semantics. I'm telling you the gospel unto me was born and he did it so that I could be engrafted into the family of God. Engrafted. Galatians 4 says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that are under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth his spirit into your hearts crying, Abba, Father. When Kelly and I adopted Isabel and Olivia, they rewrote their birth certificate. Their birth certificate says, Isabel Rogers Wood and Olivia Rogers Wood. And to no offense, please don't take this in any context except the teaching moment. You can have a baby by accident, but you can't adopt one by accident. You hear me? And you were chosen to be in the family of God. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, and Christ was born that you might be adopted. So he's born into this world and in so many words says, anybody else want to join the family? And took us with him into the family of God by an act of grace. You've probably never heard a more simpler Christmas message, but probably never heard a more important one. Christ came for you. And he came to give you life. John 10:10. 10, 10. Excuse me. He said, I have come. Jesus is answering the question: why did I come? I've come that you might have life, and that more abundantly. New life. I've come that you would have new life. I'm not giving you a a list of rules to live out. What I'm gonna give you is a living experience, the wind of God, in the same way he blew into Adam, Adam's nostrils, and he became a living soul. He, he breathed into you his life and you became a living spirit and your Christian life is lived inside out. We're not trying to live as a Christian. We are Christians and we live as a Christian as a result of who we are. I don't have to try to be a wood. I am one. I have Roger Woods DNA. I have his blood. I have mannerisms like him. I look like, that flows from me. And God came not to tell you how to live first. He came to give you life so that when you found out the pattern, you would have the power to live it out. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. And that would be more abundant. He came that you would have a forgiven life. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. No guilt. Does that resonate with anybody else in here? He came that I wouldn't have to live guilty no more. I remember what I did. I remember what I've done before the cross and after the cross. But his grace when I repent of my sins has not just pardoned my transgression but has given me a clear conscience because he chooses not to remember my sins ever again. So do you live guilt-laden today? Why would you not unwrap that package? Guilt-free living. Now that's no license to go live like hell, but guilt-free as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed your transgressions from you. He's given us spiritual life so that we could live correctly. He's given us a liberated life so we could live freely. Whom the sun sets free is a, is a free man. He's free indeed. Today, going into Christmas, you ought to be able to describe yourself by the word free. Nothing owns you. Nothing binds you. You can be pulled from sin, but not owned by sin. No habits, no controlling issues. As long as you're in the flesh, you're gonna have issues, but no issue that controls you because whom the Son sets free is a free man. He came that you might live free. He came to give you new life, forgiven life, spiritual life, a liberated life, and a confident life. He came that I would have a confident life. That's one of the gifts, a life without fear. No weapon formed against me can prosper. And no tongue that rises up against me be able to stand without God condemning it. It's God that justifies us. Who is he that condemneth us? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want for anything. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Don't be confused. That's not arrogance, that's Confidence. That's like the little girl saying, my daddy can whip your daddy. And she's not scared because her father is there. Do you live fearful? Why would you not open the box of confidence that God gives you? Confident in this very thing, that he that began the good work in you will perform it into the day of Jesus Christ. He's came that we would have a fearless life, a confident life, Abundant life. He said it. I've come that you would have life and it would be abundant. Without answering, does that word describe you, those words, abundant life? Does the word joy describe you? Do you enjoy your life? Now, let me give disclaimers. I know there are seasons where there's not as much to enjoy. If you live long enough, there'll be seasons where there's not as much to enjoy. But you can't get around the fact that he said your life ought to be abundant. And you'll learn how to live abased and abounding with that same sense of awe that I'm alive today, that I'm in my right mind today. And I've learned how to live on in the penthouse, in the poorhouse. I've learned how to live sick and how to live well. And I'm convinced of this, that anything short of a good life is not God's will for you. If he said he came, that I would have abundant life, spiritual, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, self-control, friendships, it did not mean I'm supposed to have more friends on Facebook than somebody else. By the way, most of those people ain't your friends. They don't care nothing about you. No, they don't care nothing about you, but you ought to have friends and friendship is not known by its number. It's known by its depth. You ought to be able to enjoy your friends. You ought to be able to enjoy your dog. If you got a dog that won't come to you, get another dog. <laughs> Sell him. Oh, I couldn't. My dog ain't coming to me. I'm getting another dog. Your refrigerator don't keep something cold? Get you another refrigerator. You need to enjoy life. And I'm not talking about this Pollyanna, everything has to be perfect. But if he said he came that your life would be abundantly joyful, unspeakable and full of glory, you know we're missing it somewhere. It's not how many presents are under my tree this year. It's when I look over and see my little girls and I say, I have abundant life you don't have to look far and if you think you do you're blind we got a hospital of hospital filled with people to will swap with you right now sight unseen somebody say amen sight unseen they don't even want to know i swap with you our problem is not that god has not given us presence our problem is twofold our problem is that we have not opened them and we're ungrateful for the ones we've opened Oh, I'm buying my own CD. Just that right there. <laughs> he came that we would have a shared life, intimately connected with him, a complete life. Oh, I love this. He came that I would cease from my works when he was born of a virgin and lived. And at the end of his life, when they stretched him out naked and hung his arms wide and he looked marred, so beaten that his own family couldn't recognize him. And when he said, it is finished, he satisfied the law of God. He became sin for me. He paid my debt and I don't have to work to be accepted. No, it's completed. Be very careful and listen to your pastor. Be very careful of this modern day teaching about Old Testament law. Just be very careful. Listen, I thank the Lord for our Messianic Jewish brothers. They are as much saved as I'm saved. I thank the Lord for all that have come to faith in every Protestant denomination. I thank the Lord for all of that. But you don't have to keep no Sabbath. He is your Sabbath. Listen to your pastor. The Sabbath in the Old Testament was a shadow of something to come. Shadow. Say it with me. Shadow of something to come. It's casting a shadow on the real that's to come. In the natural, they would set aside a day to rest from their labors, to rest and to focus on God. When I came into Christ, I sat down and ceased from my labors to be accepted. There's no holy day. Every day is holy to me. They said, do you worship on Sunday? Yes. Do you worship on Saturday? Yes. So, what's the day? There is no day. And Paul taught it. He said, Don't let anybody get you hung up on holy days or Sabbaths or new moons. All of that has passed away, and God has torn down the middle wall of partition. There is neither, there is neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. It's complete. It's one of my favorite presents. I don't have to be assembly of God. I don't have to be Pentecostal. I don't have to worship on Tuesday, Sunday, Saturday, strive, itch, manipulate, maneuver. It's finished. When he said finished, he meant finished. He meant finished. I've been preaching for 25 years. I've not added one thing to the work of Christ. Not a thing. Not a thing. Say, what's your plea going into heaven? When you die, what's the last thought you're going to think? It's complete. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved me. And I've opened that present. And if you're still building towards and riding 10 speeds and handing out tracks and having to do all of these things in hopes that one day you'll be accepted, you have passed by the why he came. He came to give me life, complete life. And when he cried naked from the cross, it's done. And the veil, the veil that separated God from man, the presence of God, ripped from top to bottom, not, bo- top, not from bottom to top, but top to bottom, it meant that access to God was made. And therefore, we come boldly. By the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he's consecrated through the veil. That is to say his flesh. And now having a high priest over the house of God, we draw near with true assurance of faith. Complete. I'm not working on my salvation. I'm working out my salvation. Saved is saved. How many of you saved in the last year? One or two years. You're just as saved as anybody in this room. Just the day you, the day you were born again, there's no levels of saved. I heard people say, well, that one's really saved. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> or they say, he's really lost. He's really, lost. ain't no levels of dead. Well, that one's been dead again. This one's really dead. It's saved and lost. There's dead and alive. Anyway, separate sermon. He's came that we would have resurrection life and eternal life. He came because he loves us. Greater love hath no man than this than he would lay down his life for his friends. There it is. That's the stumbling block of Christianity. All the other religions in the world start with the letter do. Some have said Christianity starts with the level, starts with the word Done. But no, it starts with the word love. God so loved that he gave his son love. He came that he would know, he came that I would know that he loved me. Don't point, because they might be with you, but anybody have or have had rebellious teenagers? I'll make it broader. How many of you were one? <laughs> okay. Do you know when a kid wants to play the trump card and you don't ever multiply words with children, people? Don't, you don't get in an argument with them. Just, just rule your house. Anyway, there's, back and forth. And then the kid goes, you don't love me and runs out. Oh, there's the aces, two aces. He don't love me and walks out. Do you know why they play that? It's really quite simple. Do you know why you told your parents that? Because at the core of this was not works. It was relationships. And the child is saying if you don't love me I don't owe you love back. And God went right to the childish nature of all of us and said before we get started on this do you believe in evolution or creation? Do you believe in the Old Testament or the the writings of God or of man? Do you believe? He said before we do any of that I love you. That disarms people from all of their weaponry. Well, I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about that. I love you. Do you love me? He sent his son. He came so that we would know not that he was a creator, but that he was a father that loved us and would spare nothing to redeem us. The Bible says, the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to love you. He came to give you life. He came to find you. And he came to save you. People are asking us about Isabel and Olivia this year, about Christmas. They said, you know, they're 17 months old at the end of this month. I said, are they excited yet? I said, no. But next year, they're gonna really get it. We're unwrapping now. We're recognizing boxes. Did you know these babies know what a box is? If a picture's on the box, they know what it is. We have a little, we have a little cart we bought them that's at my brother Jim and Janice. So they have one that looks like a little Flintstone cart. And Isabel walked in, it was just a box. And she said, "Rum rum rum," Because that's the noise we make when we push them around. <coughs> Excuse me. May I offer this to you? There's some of you that have been living a long time you've been Christians a long time and there's talk in heaven. Do they get Christmas yet? And an angel says, not yet, but maybe next year. When you really get that you're loved and these are for you, whether you do Santa or mom and daddy, when my baby gets to identify That vroom, vroom with me. That is the magic of Christmas. Could it be that you have a Christianity that you still don't get yet? He came for me. He died for me. He lived for me. He served me. He opened my eyes. And he cares for me. If our musician would come, please. So why do people still reject and resist and reject the Lord? Maybe you're here today and you don't call yourself a Christian. Hey, there's no judgment of you. I just want to reason with you. So if this is true, if this message is true, that Christ came to be the savior of the world to die for our sins, why would we resist him? Well, maybe you don't believe. Unbelief is a valid, it's, it's not an acceptable reason, but it's honest and it's valid said, I just don't believe. Well, we either do or don't. Maybe it's because you believe and aren't willing to pay the cost to follow him. You know to follow him, you've got to make some changes and some choice changes and friend changes and you're not willing to pay that cost. Maybe you're too proud to humble yourself. Humble yourself and accept God's verdict for your life. The bloody Christ on the cross was a commercial of your sinfulness and said, this is is how you lived people say I'm not receiving that I don't accept that well then live in your sin when I saw it I realized that was my punishment on Jesus when John the Baptist saw Jesus and he said behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world what he was saying is he's going to die in my place if the wages of sin is death and he dies in my place then he can give me his life We have to humble ourselves by repenting of our sins and believing on the Lord Jesus. Jesus said, they that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. And I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. If you're a sinner, and by the way, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What's holding you back from saying, I am who you said I am. I'm guilty of what you said I'm guilty of. but Pastor John preached that you love me right where I'm at. Is there Is there something under that tree for me, Lord? Is there something in this house for me today, Lord? Has heaven got enough grace for me? Years ago, I wrote a song. I'm not going to sing it for you, by the way.) <laughs> Has heaven got enough grace for me? We sing it in the second or third year of our church at an altar calling. People just poured. They just came. Well, Pastor John Wimit, now you said three whys of Christmas. Why did he come? We talked about why people don't accept him. Why didn't he come back? The Bible said that when Jesus ascended, that an angel said, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing into heaven? This same Jesus which left you will come in like manner and return to the earth. The world don't believe he's coming back. They don't believe he came the first time. So why would he, why has he not come back? Can't you tell we need a true king? Can't you tell the world's spiraling into all kind of chaos and craziness? Why hasn't he come back? Timothy tells us, He said, because the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some of you think he is. But he's unwilling that any should perish. You know why the Lord's not come back to the earth? Because you're not saved yet. He's given you time. He's given you time. And could it be in the last service of this year, while I was talking about all the presents for Christians... Could it be there's somebody here that would tell you coming in, I'm not a believer. They're going to leave with one box opened and people are going to look in and say, what'd you get today? And they say, Grace. Best Christmas of my life. Would you bow your heads with me? No one looking around. Pastor John, I'm not a Christian. I may not even go to your church. But if heaven has enough grace for me, I'm calling on the name of Jesus today. I'm confessing my sins and asking for God to forgive me. And I will not embarrass you. I give you my word. But if you're praying that this morning, it's a once and for all decision. You ain't joining this church. You're joining the family of God. Pastor, I just want you to know I'm praying today. And this present was for me. I want you to slip your hand up and put it right back down. God bless you. God bless you. as too. Anybody else? God bless you. God sees you. Now, do you mean it? Do you really mean it? Then you're forgiven. No one looking around. Those that raised your hands, just look at me. Nobody else looking around. Look at me. You're forgiven. That's God's gift to you. That ain't my gift to you. You're forgiven. Great grace is upon your household. I didn't know how I was going to finish and here's the way I'd like to do I want you to just keep your eyes closed for just a moment. As I read these, if they are not active in your life, that's an unopened gift. In the same way you receive anything from the Lord, if you have faith to receive this today, I believe God is going to Just watch as you unpack what's been opened for you. God has provided you a forgiven life, and you don't feel forgiven. But if you're going to receive that gift, I want you just to stand. Nobody looking around. I just want to feel forgiven. God has given you the gift to live free, liberated. And you're bound today. You're saying, God, I opened that box. I don't want to be controlled by this habit. No more. Why not you stand? God has given you a confident life. If you're living with fear today. You say, I want to open that box of fearlessness and confidence in the Lord. I want you to stand. I don't live joyfully, Lord. Bottom line, and it's probably the most embarrassing thing for me. You've come that I would have joy, and I just don't. And I'm opening that box by faith today that I would live a joyful Christian life. If that's you, stand. And finally, on this part, I want to live a complete life. I don't want to strive anymore. I want to settle it. Saved is saved is saved. Free grace. The gift of God. If that's you, I want you to stand. Now visualization doesn't do anything for you. Unless it's in your heart. I want you to picture yourself opening a present right now. And hearing God speak over you, this is for you. (laughs) It's yours. I got it just for you. (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? Would you be seated this morning? Our ushers are going to prepare to serve right now communion. And if you'll wait on everyone to be served, we're going to take communion with our families this morning as the last thing we do uh, last Sunday before Christmas. Mark, if you just keep playing for our communion.